Welcome to the Writer's Showcase podcast. I'm your host today, H.M. Gooden, author of the Paranormal Coming of Age series, The Rise of the Light. This is an Authors on the Air Global Radio Network production. And today I am here with Melissa Bobe. Did I say that right? You actually got like super, it's Bobe. It's like got a very American accent on it, um, but you did fantastic because no one ever gets it right. <laughs> I was hoping. And you are the author of the novel, The Nascent Witch, as well as many short stories. And you do have a new one coming out soon, Electric Trees in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Now, I was reading up on you and reading some of your stories, and I'm actually quite intrigued by how you ended up where you are now. You've had a few different careers along the way. Yeah, I have. I have. And I'm like possibly continuing to move along in a different direction, although I don't want to do that um, anytime soon because I'm tired of switching jobs. But um, (laughs) I started out... um, I actually started out in libraries. I should premise with that. Um, I was a library kid. So I thought I was going to be a librarian through the first half of college. And then my faculty started treating me like I was going to go for a PhD in lit. Um, So, so I wanted my MFA first because (laughs) back before what happened with the academic market happened, um, if you could get an MFA PhD, you would be a double threat and you would do really well. Mm. on the then existent job market (laughs) um so I I stopped for the MFA in creative writing um and then went straight into the PhD program and that was in 2011 and (laughs) it took about you know the average humanities PhD takes about eight years to finish and I took exactly eight years to finish Mm -hmm. um and there's actually this really um nifty terrifying um graph online that shows this like slope of jobs in English literature um from 20 2011 when I started yeah. 2012 is where it starts to go down um yeah. all the way to this past year 2020 where there were actually I think zero jobs at community colleges worldwide for English and and all of the jobs have yeah <laughs> how is that even possible like somebody well, retired well yeah and when they do retire they're replaced by like five or six adjuncts who are cheap and don't cost the university benefits um and make very little money Mm -hmm. um which I was doing I was doing some adjuncting while I was in grad school um and it's it's really not a way to make a living to work a an 80 to 90 hour week for like Mm -hmm. 10 grand a year with no health (laughs) care like it's terribly sustainable no no um so then I was like, okay, I have to, I have to do a 180 here and, and figure out something that will support me. That's not adjuncting. Cause that won't support me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ran into a master's in library science program, um, at my old school where I had gotten my first master's okay. and didn't, I did it in a year and a half. Like I just like was like, I need to get this done with. And, you know, when you've been teaching college for a while at that point and you're taking classes again, I was probably the worst student. I feel so bad for my faculty to have me there, but you know what you're doing. And so you finish like that. Um, and so now I'm like a librarian and I read stories to children. <laughs> and you know, truthfully, that was what I wanted to be as a kid was a librarian. 
And then I realized you can't sit there and read books all day. No, that's, so we're I, not allowed to do that. <laughs> then I decided that might be torture to be around the books and not allowed to read them. So I went a different way, but definitely the librarian thing has always been that dream of mine. So, so that's kind of fun to meet someone who actually does that. If, if you want to try it, you always can. I think I'm a little committed to my current career. Uh, after 25 years in school, I, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so that is interesting. And I'm imagining that with that kind of love of books, that probably naturally led into writing and with the MFA. So tell me about some of your short stories. I have read them and I was like, whoa, this is very thinky. These are, these are very, I mean, they're paranormal, which is anything with magic I'm down with, but I was like, I feel like I might've learned something from reading this. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's so funny because, um, my fiance was like, I think you got to push the short fiction. This was like two years ago. Mm -hmm. like, really got to, I think the short stories are, are what are going to be like the thing that get you there. And I was like, I'm a novelist. I'm just doing this on the side don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and he started writing more short stories. <laughs> yeah, he's completely right. And you know, he's not telling me what he thinks I should do. He's telling me what I clearly want to do and just am kidding myself about. Yeah. Um, well, and short stories are a really interesting little niche because it's a complete story, but it's, you're very limited in, in the size. So it, you get to micro focus in on the character and, and like one tiny thing. And I always really enjoy short stories because you can get that complete sense of a book, but anybody can put aside 10 or 20 minutes to read one. Yes. And that's, that's actually why I started consuming more short story collections than novels at a point when I was mm -hmm. reading because the thing that people don't talk about when they talk about grad school is you stop reading. It kills your love of, <laughs> of, of what it, we do. Absolutely. Like, and, and children will do that too, but uh, it's amazing when you're reading all day for work, whether you're a student or a teacher, you don't read for enjoyment anymore. And sometimes the short stories are a really nice bridge back into that. Yeah. Because you're like, I finished a whole wow, I can't read a book, but I can read a whole Shirley Jackson short story, which yes. contains as much as a book. <laughs> so. oh, she is very intense. So absolutely, if you're reading a 20-page Shirley Jackson, that's other people need 200 pages to say that. So yeah, so that is awesome. And then I have also read your latest book, The Nascent Witch, which came out in October of 2020. So tell me a little bit about that one. So, so Nascent Witch, just to introduce it, is um, it's a contemporary fantasy novel, mm -hmm. um, and it is about a young woman named Sela, um, who's having a bit of a rough go of it. She's mm -hmm. trying to juggle a lot of part-time jobs, which I'm doing right now, <laughs> and um, so there's a little sense of very personal experience by the author in that juggling all of the side jobs. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because like um, later when when her old school friend Maria comes in, mm -hmm. she's the academic. So she's really I was like, oh, when I get to her and when we have the sequel, which now I have pressure to write, like I'm going to absolutely be diving into that experience. But my best friends have been doing the dog sitting, dog walking, um, after school tutoring, babysitting, like any kind of hustle 
they can possibly do. Well, and that's very and, student, right? Like the student life. And even if you're doing the adjunct, like you got to pay your bills. So the side job is really so common now among like everybody under the age of 30, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Even, even over a little bit because I'm no longer in the under 30 category and I'm still, I'm still hustling, you know. Or it's 40 is the new 30. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> But um, so one day while she's running from one job to another and running an errand she doesn't want to run, um, Sela is approached by what she believes to be a talking cat. It's not a talking cat. It's a witch's familiar. His name is Sable. And I love the way you did that because I have never seen a familiar done exactly like you did, ever. Thank you. So that was, that was a really fun twist. And I really think that made the story that much more special. So. Thank you so much, Heather. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they're they're my snarky witch and familiar pair, and Sella finds out she's going to be a witch. It's just a matter of time, and um, you know things can't go smoothly because why would they? There would be no book. <laughs> you need hijinks too, and Sue, right? Like that is part of it. That coming of magic, hijinks. Uh, you know the study montage, but except with magic gone terribly wrong. So. <laughs> Yeah, and it was just, you know, this is something, I, I started working on this in 2016, this was, okay. this was probably the first, now see, I don't know if it's, this was the first book, or if the middle grade book that I've worked on was my first, and because my critique partners aren't here, they can't correct me. Um, <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. It's your first book this. Yes, it's the first one that everybody sees, which is always interesting, because like, even, even with Electric Trees, that's not the first short story collection I've written that's the first mm -hmm. one everyone's going to see right um I've got the others under my belt still and I'm you know submitting them places and seeing what happens with them but and every book that comes out it's going to be different and special and um even if it's kind of the same you're always going to feel that running around naked in public <laughs> absolutely. absolutely you know and it's it's like I'm I'm very fortunate like I didn't have siblings growing up mm -hmm. um and all of my cousins my closest cousins live in the Bronx but um everybody else is all over the country so really like friendships have always been where I've found family and I have mm -hmm. an incredible network of friends who have been so supportive of the books um and it helps to feel less naked when you have that <laughs> you're like it's okay they're building that wall it'll protect yeah. me that's awesome yeah. Yeah, so, um, and the supportive part is really what you need to kind of put yourself out there. Yes, definitely. And, you know, and I, I think there's also, the internet is a horrible place. The internet is also a wonderful place. It is so, such a, yeah, double-edged sword. Yeah, and you can find like great networks of people who are supportive of one another. You know, that, that hashtag writing community that's on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Folks are just really, can be really really lovely and encouraging and I see in your bio that you actually are part of quite a few writing groups you um you are act as a liaison for a NaNoWriMo group yes I'm yeah. one of the New York City uh, municipal liaisons we run all of the events normally in person around the five boroughs this year, um, was, different. <laughs> this year was different but you know what it was great because we got um we got a lot of participants from everywhere, like folks who had 
needed to leave New York, but missed their community and they could zoom in. And that was really, it, it was really good in a way. Um, we also did so many, we did at least 60 events and it's only 30 days. So I don't, did you I don't know what that happened. Time at all? <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like you yeah. do, right? I don't know that once you become an ML, yeah. that you really hit 50K in 30 days anymore. Although, you know, that's not always the, the point. I mean, it is good to have that community and just to develop the habit, which is why NaNoWriMo is so amazing. Yeah. But. Yeah. And I always try to write daily. Actually, I've been, I've been on a, what are we, February 22nd yeah. or 23rd. So I've been on a almost two month writing streak where I haven't taken a day off since the new year started. Are you doing um, a Seinfeld calendar X technique? I, I, what I do is I keep my, I have my little strips of like, um, what I do every day. I really, I believe in tracking. That's not just my productivity as writing, but like, that's also other things that I do. I think it's important for writers to say, oh, like today, like, you know, I had to go up to the kid's school because they did something crazy to another kid <laughs> and, you know, I had to be there and that was a strike against my writing time. And I have to acknowledge that, like, it's not just writing. I'm also balancing. Yeah. Um, Where people get a little burned out is if they feel like they have to write instead yeah. of want to. And it sounds like you found a, a good way to balance that for yourself. Kind of. I mean, I'm waking up between four o'clock and six in the morning every day, which I do. You told me. <laughs> I know, but I know. I'm an early bird. <laughs> and you, but you also have like children to motivate you. Um, I don't know if motivate is the right word. Uh, <laughs> when you have children, you're like, okay, when are they not awake? And then you, you, you write around. Okay. I wasn't sure if they were dragging you out of bed or, cause I know some, <laughs> I get up, I get up an hour before them so that I can do the writing. Yeah. No, you can't write with small kids around. They just, yeah. They're, yeah. No. And, and I'm not there yet. Um, I have my four fur babies, my cats who yes. do try to drag me out of bed at odd hours. So, you know, it helps. And unfortunately, <laughs> but, if you train them for a certain time of day for meals or snacks, that's when they wake you up. So if you want to get up at 5am, train them that that's when they get their little treats and you never need an alarm clock again. Yeah. <laughs> Now you mentioned the four cats and on your bio, they say they're all rescues. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I, I, come about? I started with one. I don't know how I have four. Um, I know, <laughs> they do tend to just show up and you're like, Oh, I shall yeah. name you Bob. <laughs> Basically like the first one, the first one was the, the first cat that I like actively was like, I must adopt a cat. Um, I dated someone and the one good thing that I really took from that relationship was that my cat allergies weren't as bad as I thought and I could have a cat. <laughs> so wonderful antihistamines nowadays. So that, that that's nice. Totally. I'm, I'm all about Allegra. <laughs> it's all in my medicine cabinet. Um, but I rescued my first cat and then I was worried she might be lonely because I was out teaching for long stretches. So I was like, oh, you need a friend. Right. Um, Absolutely. She, she didn't want a friend. She's like miserable. She hates other cats. She's like, why did you do this to me? But, um, so then I had to, they get along well enough. And then the second one went missing in the woods in New Jersey for a month. And I was you sure she didn't eat cat. my boxes. Yeah. What? Sorry. You got a backup cat. Yeah. Well, we, we like the first one, I was like, oh, she's lonely again. Yeah. 
my fiance was like, no, she's not. Please. But we got, and then three days after we got cat number three, cat number two came back miraculously. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> cat number four was living under an abandoned Jeep on the property next to ours in our last apartment. And I was you- like, yeah, you just no. Have- and he would cry at night and oh. he was just so sweet. So, oh yeah, no, you can't turn your back on that. Absolutely. No. Now, no. did you name any of the animals or people in Nascent Witch after any of your cats? Not after my cats. I try not to name um, characters after people that I know mm-hmm. um, because, you know, occasionally like, you know, I think I have like an Alex in a book and my best friend's little sister is Alex because yeah, well, every girl know. who went to high school during my generation was every other girl was Alex. So, you know. <laughs> It's, yes and I, uh, I named one of mine Alex so I'm like it's a good name you can spell it you can do what you yeah. want with it it's wonderful yeah so no and so I but I try not to name after anybody but there are people who who should recognize themselves it's funny because like one of my best friends was like oh she's you and I was like honey she's you <laughs> it's like you know this was interesting interesting I mean, the close friendships were all the same anyway, so. Yeah. Well, that is interesting that you thought you were writing your friend and your friend thought you were writing you. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of interesting because usually you don't see that happen. Yeah. Well, we're, we're close. So I'm sure that we have enough in common to mistake ourselves for each other and vice versa. So it's probably, yeah. Yeah. So would you put one of your cats in a story like personality wise is sable or pluto like any of your cats oh poor pluto gosh <laughs> pluto, i mean like pluto's territorial like nature and he's really he's quite sweet i feel bad for him in the course of the story i don't know if i'm like advocating cat abandonment um for the time being abandoned he didn't feel abandoned he was like super happy yeah, no, he he's definitely meant to be a shop cat. I actually, there was a shop cat at, so Pluto was partly inspired, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. There's a little shop in the town that we moved to when I was in school mm-hmm. as a kid. And my best friend and I used to go there after school um, called Instant Karma. It has a different name now. But that was our little occult shop that we would visit Excellent. when we had our little baby coven when we were like 11 years old. <laughs> the coven... The high school coven is based on your actual high school. Oh, yeah. Experience. Excellent. Yeah. I wonder that. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, when Sable criticizes her and is like, I know what all you Lorena McKennett listening to Little Witch Girls did. I was like, <laughs> full I was like that sounds extremely specific. I wonder. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely was something that I find a lot of girls get into around grade four or five, sort of, ooh, magic. Yeah. You're like, maybe it is real. It's not just about the unicorns and the fairy tales. There's actual magic. And then- Well, and we were at a Catholic school. So like so uh, much more that- to like turn that way you know um well and in some ways going to a catholic school I mean you're believing in something that's magical and unseeable right so why wouldn't you add witchcraft in there since they say it's so bad yeah well and it and like I had already I I think like I started like stepping away from that faith by the third grade um Mm -hmm. 
because unfortunately I had a religion teacher who spoke about everybody who wasn't getting into heaven. Right. And my parents have always given me um, a really diverse experience. I mean, you can't, you can't avoid it in New York where like your friends aren't going to all be of the same faith. Right. So if you hear that your friends are going to hell, it does something to your belief system. <laughs> like, stupid. Like they're nice people, but this is stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly my train of thinking when I was eight. <laughs> so by the time um, I met these girls, you know, which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And witchcraft made a lot more sense. <laughs> well, and I mean, if you think about it, we all create our own belief systems. Cultures have done that ever since you know, there were people and every culture has created something similar, but different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think with that many different things, the average kid, especially if they're getting things rammed in, you know, like this is the way it is, you're going to rebel against that a little bit and just say, why? Yeah. And like, you know, it's not like my parents were particularly dogmatic my mother enrolled me in catholic school because she was like you need to learn grammar and the public schools aren't teaching it you know and that was her main motivation well Um, education for most kids yeah there is that little bit of extra emphasis that can go one way or another (laughs) yeah so um so we you know we would leave class and go right over to the witch shop in our catholic school girl uniforms and they they had this (laughs) beautiful black rescue cat um his name was samson sam um and he just he thought he was huge he was like you know some cats can be he was like a 40 pounder yeah he was he was chonky and (laughs) he you know he thought he was slinky so he was constantly (laughs) knocking things over in this shop um he was like a bit of a disaster and i just i i adored him because i didn't have any pets at the time so it was like oh He's your cat. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, the low maintenance version because you don't have to feed him or clean up the litter box. It was, yeah, it was he was like magic himself. Like he had no needs but love. <laughs> yeah. Now in in your book, you have the magic shop. So did you base it on that instant karma? It's shop? it's partly instant karma. It's like every every town that I've gone to, if they have an occult shop or a witch mm-hmm. shop, I'm in there, you know, because yeah. this has been like like it's so cool yeah Mm -hmm. like so so um basically every every shop that I've been to I've kind of incorporated into that store plus you know the the organization of the shop was based on the magic system in the book nice um but just like you know I just have these fond memories and these shops are almost always quiet Mm -hmm. um they have like a meditative soundtrack Mm -hmm. in the background there's always incense yeah and it's it's always quiet and when you're a kid and you're going into places very rarely are they quiet for you yeah and so I think that it was important to kind of recapture that and incorporate that into the book yeah it was it was almost like like a safe haven when you were a kid oh yeah 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 yeah, but well, um you know we were weird kids because all we wanted was quiet because we would go there and we would go to the library so like <laughs> I don't know if that's really strange I mean when you were doing that it was probably fairly busy and chaotic like school is busy and then I don't know how big you said that was when you were living in a small town yeah it's 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 a sizable town it's not tiny um yeah. you know um I 
it's hard. This is, this is always hard for me because, um, when I was in my PhD program, two of my friends and I were driving through this part of Jersey and I was like very freaked out. Cause I was like, guys, I don't want to get lost in the woods. I'm not good at the woods. And my friend was like, these aren't the woods. This is the suburbs. And then my other friend who was from a teeny town somewhere was like, this is downtown. This is like a very busy area. And I was like, okay, we all have different views of what. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I always ask, because I grew up in a place that had less than 500 people. Mm -hmm. So when people say small town, I think 500 people. Yeah, and, and then I realized after I went to university that when people say small town, they might mean 20,000 people. And yeah, to me, that's still a city, right? Yeah. And it's, it, this would probably <laughs> seem very city like to you. You know, I, I grew up between um, Long Island and Queens. So like mm -hmm. New York City has been a part of my life since childhood yeah. and my folks are both from my, my mom's from Brooklyn my dad's from Manhattan so you know it's just like comparatively small but not small at all well and I think sometimes when you get to any kind of a city status once they join together like that to you is just the way things are so everything else seems tiny by comparison yeah yeah. yeah, I was like, I can, I can bump into people I know on a daily basis. That's weird to me. Like, you know, like stuff like that. Like if I'm bumping into people, although I bump into people no matter where I go. So that's, that's a false. That's the whole small <laughs> world thing. I mean, I bump into people that taught me when I was a little kid now. So <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, hello. I know way too much about you and you know way too much about me. <laughs> well, we'll just keep walking. So, uh, I mean, in a way that's been kind of nice with uh, COVID is that I think a lot of people have reconnected and also had more alone time to kind of sort through themselves. Yeah. So yeah, it, I think the world will be a little bit different now. I, I think so. I, I can't see how it wouldn't be. Um, you know, it's been for me, like the experience of COVID was not so different from a PhD program. So when, when everyone was in lockdown and all of my friends were messaging me, like climbing the walls, I was like, Oh, is this, is this not, you know, I was like, I'm used to being locked indoors, unable to see friends, yeah. um, having this sense of existential dread, <laughs> which is, that's what grad school was. You know, like the deadline <laughs> plus like, you're just like working all night by yourself on a computer. Yeah. And, and so I think for a lot of people, especially people that work with computers or in those kind of fields, other than knowing you can't do the going out part, it, it feels a lot the same, except for, you know, it isn't. And then the other people that kind of are used to going places every day that it, I think it's been hard on multiple levels, but, you know, I know for myself, keeping some of the, what matters most from this year will will be something good to take forward yeah I hope so you know and I'm also I I'm someone who's concerned about our environment and what's mm. happening to us so I'm hoping you know I there were all the nature is healing jokes on online but um but I really do hope you know when when we saw I think it was in June where LA had like the lowest smog levels they've had in like 50 years and I was like that's yes. phenomenal we should I mean, do that more often <laughs> it was the dolphins in the Venice Canal I was like what like yeah I don't know if they said that's been hundreds of years but it, it's just in the middle of such tragedy there's dolphins 
in the heart yeah. of the city. Like that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and also strange and funny, like the sheep yes. in that British community who yes. just like took, like they were goats or sheep. They, I just know they were wild cloven hoofed animals that <laughs> have been there and were. <laughs> and, and, and see, um, I'm in Canada. So every now and then cows will do that. Or I, you know, like it's not unusual to have semi-domesticated animals taking over a small town. It's more just, oops, uh, you know, Bob's, Bob's fences didn't hold. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, we've got pigeons and rats and oh. crows. So maybe that's a similar thing. Not yeah. at all, like it's it's definitely been a year I think that a lot of people have found it hard to write but mm -hmm. on the flip side of that going forward I think it will inspire a lot more yeah so yeah yeah I actually yeah and I I had I had the opposite experience not because it wasn't a difficult year but because so I had I had a job offer in hand I was actually in the process of being onboarded for a full-time job with benefits when COVID hit and then they rescinded all of the offers they had just made at that library. Um, and then the library that I was at, my boss really fought to keep me. She was like, I, I really want you here. Like if you're not going to have the other job, mm -hmm. but then her boss, the director was like, Nope, she put in her resignation. There's a budget. There's a crisis. She's gone. So, you know, I appreciated that you know, I had somebody who tried to fight for me, but at the end of the day, it was like two jobs gone like that. Ugh. Um, That's so hard. I was just like, you know, when I finally managed to get on, I was very lucky. I got on the, um, unemployment, mm -hmm. which a lot of people, you know, I, I was on it pretty struggle. immediately. Yeah. My, my fiance, it took six weeks for him to get through and get on the, like, so it was difficult. Yeah. But I kind of turned to writing and said, well, you've lost every other job that you have. This is the only job that you have and you, you have. want to be working to mm -hmm. so do it. Yeah. And I did it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't, you set out and you think, okay, I have to make a huge, like big advanced book sale. Cause I don't know what's coming. That doesn't happen. Right. Like, we know that doesn't happen. You don't just start submitting stuff when submissions are up by like, 500% and all these editors are like stop sending me your zombie pandemic novels oh, oh yeah no, those are not what people want to read right now <laughs> no <laughs> you know but Matt that, is that, always in style and especially when we're looking for some escapism yes that's good is that your next coming book the electric trees is that a book of short stories that come out of this last year electric trees comes out of some some of the stories were written over the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the stories might be being written right now because it's not done yet. Um, we're still working on one. What a few months, it's fine. Um, but they're they're the kind of gathering of my my misfit children that some people felt like they kind of wanted, but their editorial team could not agree. Like it was right. the the story that I sent you, um, all mm -hmm. of his loved ones. I got this yeah. great note from an editor who was like, I just want to let you know, we're rejecting this, but I love this story. Yeah. And we were actually split. And I was on the side of people who love it. And the other half of my editorial team did not know what to do with this. And well, it definitely didn't fit any genre I could think of because I was like, is this magic? Is this like, 
an analogy. Like, I mean, it was definitely, it, it took me maybe five, 10 minutes to read. And, and like, I know I puzzled over it for quite a while after that. So if you're looking to impact people, that is a fantastic story to do that with. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And it's, it's, that's, that's my little star. You know how every album has its, um, uh, what do they call them? The singles that come out. Sorry. Yes. I'm still like, I'm about here in this cup. When I'm here, I'll be at full functional. I but, had um, to go back on it. <laughs> But, um, but so like, I have my singles from each that it's a book in three parts. Mm -hmm. um, they're distinctive parts. I don't want to say more than that, because I really oh. want this to be an experience for people. Yeah. To make it down. Um, but that's my little star of the first part, okay. um, that story. And then there are others in the other two parts that I think will strike people as this is this is the single from this part of the album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to it. If the stories have anything like the shorts that I've read already, and where would be a good place for people to find you so that they can get on the list for when this book comes out? Yeah, so I am I am very easy to remember because my handle is a book bumble, so a book bumble because Melissa means honeybee, and so oh, and okay. I've love bees I've done some beekeeping classes anyway it's it's a thing okay I was wondering where that came from because it's a very very cute logo but I was, you know what does that have to do something with the writing but that makes sense now yeah, yeah and bees, bees will appear in some of the fiction I've written bees into fiction no one's seen them yet because those aren't the fictions that are out at the moment but they'll, they'll come out eventually. And um, so I'm, I'm a bookbumble.com. That's my um, website. Um, it's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Um, I haven't had a Facebook for years now, and I don't know that I could get back on it. <laughs> it's probably wise to not if you want to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Twitter's distracting enough. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be launching a newsletter. I haven't announced this yet, but I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to be launching in a newsletter sometime in the next one or two weeks. Perfect. Um, that will be wonderful. So how can people sign up to that? That is that is going to be, there's going to be the delightful sign up for my newsletter on the website and Perfect. I'll be putting it up on social media. Um, that's the part that I'm learning now from Mail MailChimp is how to get it done. posted to things. Done. Once that's done, it's, it's going to come out. <laughs> well, that is all fantastic. And I just wanted to thank you so much for being with me today. I've really enjoyed this and I can't wait to read your next book. Thank you so much. This has been so lovely. Great. Well, thank you for joining us on the writers uh, showcase podcast. And I look forward to following you in the future. Likewise, Heather. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Writer's Showcase podcast production copyrighted by the Authors on the Air Global Network.